right, guys, I promised you in this episode of the Time to Man Up podcast that we would talk about the definition of authentic manhood. If you have never heard this before, uh, it can change your life in an amazing way. When I first heard this definition, it was amazing the process to get me there. Uh, My mom had heard someone speak at Cedarville University back when my dad and her worked there. And she contacted me and she said, you've got to listen to this guy. And uh, as he was preaching, I I thought, yeah, this is is pretty interesting. I think he was a pastor out of Memphis. And I thought, I'm going to get on his website and I'm going to check out what's going on. And God, what he was doing is he was beginning this snowball, right? I mean, right now I'm in Florida. We don't have snow, but I'm from Ohio where we have snow. And I believe that some people up in the Midwest have snow right now. Uh, I was watching a football game. I think it was Kansas State. And I was like, yeah, Florida sounds really good right now when it's 70 degrees. But Um, What it was is for my journey in men's ministry, it was the beginning of the snowball and my mom giving me that snowball and it began to roll. And so I got on this pastor's website in Memphis. And as I'm getting on that snowball is picking up steam and on his website, he mentioned authentic manhood and uh, it caught my attention. And I'd always had a heart for men's ministry because I think in too many churches, they do an amazing job with women's ministries and a horrible job with men's ministries. Um, Even what I see out there right now, here's what I see. I see a bunch of men's ministries that are doing fun things, play things, right? They do play things like they have a golf league. They play flag football. Um, a lot of different things they did do basketball. They play basketball. I mean, we had basketball in my last church and I went and played all the time. It was fun to do that. Uh, but we can do all those fun things, but where are we ministering to men? Where are we discipling men to become the dads and the husbands that they need to be the, the next leaders in the church? What are we doing? And I have watched from the outside Uh, churches do it all wrong. And then they wonder why it doesn't work for men's ministry in the church. And one thing that we have discovered is kind of a philosophy. uh, And I lay that out um, on our, on our website. You can go there time to man up.com. And I, I believe we have a segment available there where it just talks about how to do a small, how to do a men's ministry. And a big part of that is small groups. Because most men are not going to talk if they're in a group of 100 people. Most men are not going to talk. They're not going to get open about their struggles in life. And if we never get them to be transparent on their struggles, then we're never going to be able to deal with what they're working on. And getting together to play sports, getting together to do fun things, that's great, but it does very little to help men spiritually. So I'm sorry if you're a church and you like to do those things for men. I mean, listen, we had men's day where we would go to a baseball game or a race, or we'd go putt, putt, play laser tag. But we always had a time in there where we talked about God, where we talked about godly things, how to live our lives as men. What is our role? 
Uh, guys, if we go through and all we do is play games with men, we have wasted that time. I mean, sorry, but we've wasted that time. And I know people are going to want to argue and say, well, we've built relationships. On what, though? Why are we hiding the fact that we love Jesus and we want you to know Jesus and the only way you're going to survive as a husband, as a dad in your workplace, in this crazy world that we live in that's turning things upside down with what we look at when it comes to marriage and male leadership? Guys, we need to invest in men more than just going and tickling their ears. And I've heard people say before, oh, it's about to get real. I'm going to talk to you. I'm going to give you, give you it real. And I'm like, skip, skip, skip rocks, right? And I know that sounds real harsh, guys, but there are too many churches skipping rocks when it comes to men. They don't want to offend them. They don't want them to leave the church. And so they rather tickle their ears than really speak hard truth to them. And when we fail to do that, we fail to help women that are out there struggling in their marriages, women that are struggling as parents, children that are growing up and lacking that leadership, that godly leadership in their home. We know this to be true. You get the women, you get the children, so what? Now, that doesn't demean them and say they're not valuable, but what I'm saying is this, you get the man you get the family. Now listen to that, guys. You get the man, you get the dad, you get the husband, you get the family. Because if mama is having to drag the kids to church, but the husband doesn't want to go, most of those kids are going to be like, I don't want to go to church. Dad doesn't go to church, right? But if dad is helping people get ready on Sunday morning or Saturday night, whenever you go to church, and he is helping those kids get to church, then you get the family. You get the family. And that's just straight out truth that cannot be denied. It's been truth since the beginning of the family unit, right? I mean, this is the reality. So I got on this guy's website and I saw Authentic Manhood and that led to starting a men's group that got together at ungodly hours, like six in the morning and and because guys had to like do it and it was an hour and a half study. So they had to be able to get there and then uh, get to work. And so not only did I have to get there early, I had to get there early and make coffee. Guys, I don't even drink coffee. So I had to get there and make coffee for the people that drank coffee so they could stay awake. But I'll tell you what, we did that for a couple years and began to build momentum. And I was amazed how many guys showed up for a 24 week study and they stayed the course. I mean, I was amazed. And what we found in that time is we usually had uh, groups that sat at a table of about four and then we watched the video and discuss. And all of a sudden we noticed those small groups began to build relationships. We had men opening up and building relationships, and it was awesome. So then we thought, well, let's continue on this study in authentic manhood. There were three uh, sessions that Robert Lewis had, and then they tried to get like really creative, and they called it the 33 series. Sorry if you listen to this and you love the 33 series, but all they did was watered it down, 
made it shorter so that you could do like a six to eight week study, whatever it was. And uh, you could do like three whole ones in the time that you could do one of Robert Lewis's. But they were all into then the video catches, trying to keep men entertained. And I mean, whereas Robert Lewis was just, he was teaching from up front, a big group, and he just gave you the, the, the details. And what was amazing is he didn't get like super biblical, but he gave us things that we already knew, but we needed to be reminded of. And having heard that, we brought it into our church and we did that for a few years. And then from that, we broke off onto a Wednesday night group. And I was so glad for that guys, because I was not digging the early morning and we started to dwindle because that early morning. And when I left, we were having around 35 guys on a Wednesday night, uh, which was awesome. And relationships were being built and uh, it was amazing. And it was all founded on authentic manhood uh, these four pillars of authentic manhood that Robert Lewis laid out, which led then to uh, looking at man up in, in 1 Corinthians 16, 13 to 14, which we talked about last episode. And so what I want to do in this episode is I want to talk about the four aspects, the four pillars, whatever you want to call them, the four aspects of the definition of authentic manhood. And again, this isn't mine. It's Robert Lewis's, but I claim it as my own because um, it's like that baton that when you're running the race, you hand it off to people. And so Robert Lewis handed it off to me through his curriculum, and I hand it off to people. When I'm talking to men before they get married, I'm like, check this out. You need this, and I'm handing them the baton. When I'm talking to guys that are struggling in life, I'm handing them the baton. Men, we need to keep handing this baton of authentic manhood off to people. And when we see men not living the way that they should, I mean, I'll tell you what, I saw a man, and I've told this story before, but he was sitting uh, by the pool with his family, and uh, he had two kids, a son and a daughter, and they got in the pool, they were all having a good time, and, and then it became time to get out and leave. The guy got out, went and dried off and sat down while the mom tried to get the two kids out of the pool. And it was like World War III taking place. And the woman kept looking over to her husband to get help, to get reinforcement, to get these kids out. And he did nothing. And I'm sitting there. And I mean, my wife is like having to physically like say, do not do it. I'm going to hold you back. I mean, I, I can just see myself dragging my wife right across the pool deck, trying to get over to this guy to talk to him. But it was driving me crazy. I'm like, she needed help. And this battle went on and on and on. It felt like forever. Maybe it was 10 minutes, but she could not get him out. And she's like, come on guys, we have to go. And then she started bartering with him. If you get out this, 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 and I'm like, yep, that's not going to work. Not going to work. While the guy is on his phone doing whatever on his phone and he was being a horribly passive man. And all I wanted to do was go over to him and say, you are failing your wife. You're failing your children and you are teaching your daughter what to look for in a man and your son, what a man looks like. And that's not a good example. And I know that can be harsh, but guys, we have to be willing to step up and say, this is not right. So what 
Robert Lewis does in looking at authentic manhood and these four aspects of authentic manhood, he looks at the difference between Adam and Jesus. Because in Adam, we find what not to do. And listen, Adam didn't have an example. Adam was a man. <laughs> He's like, okay, not into any of these animals. God creates Eve for him, right? And he's like, whoa, man, woman, right? Get it? And uh, so he's trying to figure out relationships. At least when we get married, we've seen some people work their way through it, whether good or bad, we've seen it. He's like trying to figure out what in the world is this? I don't know what's going on. Uh, she's different than me. We look alike, but I don't get this. And so the examples that Robert Lewis uses is here's where Adam failed. Here's where Jesus, the second Adam as referred to, here's where Jesus gets it right. And so the first thing is reject passivity. Men, we need to reject passivity. Passivity is easy. For instance, you come in and you sit down and you begin to watch ESPN or whatever you like to watch on TV, or you get on your social media, or you get on your computer, whatever it is, you're getting on it. And while the kids are running around, mom's trying to get dinner ready, wash clothes. I mean, guys, the things that we expect from our wife to do in, in, in watching the kids, washing dishes, getting dinner ready, shame on us. We need to step up. But we have learned to be so good when it comes to passivity that we sit there and we do whatever we want to do. And... We don't help our wives out. And you know what that does, guys, is when we are passive, it creates resentment from a wife toward a husband. It creates a feeling of abandonment and rejection from kids from their dad because their dad rather watch ESPN for the third time in a row or all the other shows that are on there now or, or play on their computer or on their game playstations, whatever they have. And they rather do that than spend time with their kids. Why? Because they're being passive. And men, we need to reject passivity. I won't even get into it right now, but there's what we call delayed adolescence. And the area of video games and leisure sports have created a danger zone when it comes to that because We've got men that aren't growing up because they're spending so much time playing video games that they're forgetting to engage in life. And so men, we need to reject passivity. And there's a lot on the line for that. When Genesis 3, 6 says this, so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. Now listen to this. She eats the fruit. God gave the command to Adam. And this is why it says that Adam sinned, woman was deceived. Because he didn't give the commandment directly to her. He gave the commandment to Adam. Adam passed it on to her. And it says, and she also gave some to her husband who was, get this, who was with her. And he ate. Adam is standing back. He's being passive. He allows his wife to eat of the fruit. I'm guessing that in his mind, maybe he's saying, hey, I'm going to let her eat first. And if she dies, then I'll know not to eat it. And when she didn't die, he's like, hey, it worked for her. I think I'll eat it. 
but he was right there while the serpent is deceiving her, while the while the serpent is just distorting the truth from God. He is there. He's standing in the background watching this happen and does nothing about it. He is passive. Well, how does Jesus break that down? Jesus endured the cross. Jesus went to a cross that he did not deserve. He was without sin, but the one who was without sin became sin, died on the cross for our sin, and he took what? Took passivity, threw it to the side, and he said, God, whatever your will is, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do that. And he rejected passivity. He didn't just sit back and watch things fall apart. The second aspect of authentic manhood is that we need to accept responsibility. I don't get it, but in the world that we live, men do not like to take responsibility a lot of times. Because usually when you mess up, man, all you got to do to your wife or to your kids or to your friends is just say, I'm sorry, I messed up. That's on me. But what we want to do is blame shift, right? We want to blame shift. We don't want to take responsibility. And so what's interesting is Adam, he says, the woman that you gave me she gave me the fruit of the tree and I ate. Blame shifting, right? It's not my fault, God. It's the woman. No, God, really, it's your fault for giving me the woman. I mean, how often, guys, do we fail? And rather than acknowledging, rather than taking responsibility, I mean, I've had dealings with people that I'm like, I like, say sorry for something that I don't even think was that bad, but I want them to recognize the importance of doing that. And they are oblivious to what they've done. And I'm like, then I get ticked off, right? Cause I'm like, okay, I just apologize for something that I really wasn't like, it wasn't that monumentally bad that I had done, but I'm trying to set an example. And I'm like, well, that was worthless guys. We need to show our kids. And I, I told people this, I tell guys, the greatest thing that we can learn when it comes to our spouse and our children, I'm sorry. When we fail them, let them know that we are sorry. And I mean, really sorry. And so Adam says, the woman you gave me, the woman blames the serpent. He deceived me. But actually the woman, when she says the serpent deceived her, she's spot on right. Adam is the one that's trying to blame shift and even put the responsibility on God. Now, the third thing. So we reject passivity. We accept responsibility. And men, we need to lead courageously. And leading courageously is becoming more and more important in the world that we live in today. Adam did not lead courageously. He stood in the background instead of leading and saying, hey, you know what? None of the other animals talk to us. This serpent, why is he talking to us? And if he was leading courageously, he would have stepped up and said, stop talking to my wife, my woman. Stop talking to her. And he didn't. Because he didn't lead courageously. 
And so, men, we need you willing to lead courageously, that that you are willing to stand out when things aren't being done right, that you're willing to stand out, that you're willing to stand up against things. We need to be strong and courageous in the things that we do. We need men in the church who will lead courageously and stand against the world trying to get a foothold, the enemy trying to get a foothold in the church. And guys, I'm going to tell you this. I know there are a lot of denominations when it comes to church, and we don't get into denominational things with this, but we do get into true things. And there are denominations who are watering down their truth so that they will be liked by the world. Let me tell you this, men. If our churches are standing up for what is right, we are going to place ourselves in opposition to the world. It's just the way it is. And there are churches out there right now, right today, that are watering down truth by accepting same-sex marriage. The Bible says he created man and he created woman. And he said they were supposed to become, the two shall become one, and no one was going to divide that. What God had joined together, no man could separate. He did not put two women together for marriage. He did not put two men together for marriage. And we haven't even talked about transgender and all that craziness that's out there with that. And I know you're, you're thinking, well, that's insensitive. No, it's this, guys. It's sin. It's sin. And to lead courageously, we have to be willing to say that. We cannot compromise the truth of the word of God. I remember the song, the B-I-B-L-E, I stand alone on the word of God. The B-I-B-L-E, I stand alone on the word of God. If the word of God says that marriage is to be between one man and one woman, who are we to delude it? Who are we to pervert it? But men, we need you to stand up for truth. And guys, this hits home. And you better know what you stand for before it hits home, because once it hits home, you will find every reason to water down your truth. Now listen, we love the sinner. We hate the sin. We love the sinner and we hate the sin. We had a lady that was uh, with another woman and she said, I, I'm my wife and I, we invited her to church and she was like, Oh, I could never go to church. I would burn up the minute I walked in the doors. And I'm like, clearly you don't understand what church is like because I've never seen someone burn up when they walked in the doors. I mean, right. When's the last time you saw somebody walk in and burn? Cause the reality is, is that if sinners were burned up when they walked through the doors of the church, there would be no one in the church. Because we are all sinners saved by grace. But I also know this, that it takes courage to stop living in sin. And even beyond uh, relationships that are inappropriate or adulterous relationships, cheating, stealing, lying, gossip, whatever it is, it takes courage to stop doing those things. And we need to be courageous men. 
And we lead the way in showing our wife, in showing our children, in showing other men what it looks like to follow Jesus. So we reject passivity. We accept responsibility and we lead courageously. And the final one is this. We invest eternally. As I get older and older and older, and hopefully I still have a decent amount of years, but I'm much closer to the finish line than I am the starting gate. And so as I get closer to the finish line, I begin to think about what am I leaving behind that is eternal, that will impact people. And I think about, okay, all three of my children have placed their faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, It doesn't make them perfect as I'm not perfect, but they've placed their faith in Jesus Christ. and, and, And that's great. That's eternal. And hopefully that will then continue to pass its way down from generation to generation. There is this downward flow of salvation that seems to be present. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your house. There seems to be this passing down. It's not a river that necessarily flows up. Sometimes it may, but not always. But what am I doing to invest eternally? I love going out and playing golf or playing softball or doing those things. But if I'm just going out to do those things, just to have something to do, then they have no value eternally. But if when I go out to play softball, when I go out to play basketball or golf, if I can look for opportunities to show Jesus to people. And one of my really big pet peeves, guys, is this. People will say, I'm going to do lifestyle evangelism and I'm going to show people Jesus. Yay. I mean, right. I hope that because you love Jesus, you're going to live in a way that is lifestyle evangelism. It's not this evangelistic program that we say, Hey, let's live evangelistically by the way we live. Okay. That's great. You, you in public, you obey Jesus. What do you do when nobody's around? Right. But we look at lifestyle evangelism, but my belief is this. I have no problem with living in a way that shows people Jesus good. But at some point you have to tell them that you are a Christian. At some point you need to tell them that you were a sinner. You were going to hell. That was the consequence of sin. God didn't put you in hell. You put yourself in hell because of your sin. And it was his love and it was his mercy. And it's his grace that sent Jesus to die on the cross for you, undeserving person, so that you could have eternal life. God gave you through Jesus what you did not deserve. You deserved hell, right? Your sin, hell was the consequence. But God in his grace and mercy gave you eternal life. If you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and confess with your tongue that he is Lord and believe that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. But guys, we need to be doing things that invest eternally. And if you just go out and play sports and you act like a non-believer, then what good is it? Right? If you're getting in arguments during the game, what good is it? If you're causing problem, if you're lying, if you're cheating, what good is it? 
We need to live in a way that sets ourselves apart from the world. That's lifestyle evangelism. But at some point, from the example of Paul and the disciples, we have to say, you're a sinner condemned to hell. And the only way around that is by asking God's forgiveness, placing your faith in him, trusting him that what he did on the cross is enough. We have to call them out to do that. And then we have to invest in them so that they can grow. And when we invest in them, that's that eternal investment that we are making in their lives. Guys, that's what, when it comes to authentic manhood, that's what I've got for you in this episode. I hope that you find it valuable. Uh, But those four aspects of authentic manhood, reject passivity, accept responsibility, lead courageously, and invest eternally. I don't forget them. And I tell everybody about them. Why? Because I think they're so significant. So here's the thought I want to give you as you push stop on this. Hopefully you made it all the way to the end. But here's what I want to give you. Imagine this. I'm 56 years old. How many ever years I have left. If I can get to the end of my life and say, I rejected passivity. I accepted responsibility. I led courageously and I invested eternally. That's pretty good, right? That's pretty good. Guys, that should be our desire is as we live our lives, that not only do we live that way, but we pass it down into men's lives. And so if you are in a church men's ministry, make sure you don't get caught up in just playing games because there's more to it than that. We need to be instructing men, showing men what it looks like to be an authentic man. Guys, if you are looking for something like that for your church, make sure you check out our study. You can see it back here behind me. Uh, man up, becoming the man God desires you to be. 10-week study. If you've got 10 weeks where your men can get together, check that out. Uh, I think it's very valuable. And, and, and every study I have, chapter one of every study I do, will start out with the four aspects of authentic manhood because it changes men's lives. Guys, it's time. It's time to man up. Take care, and we hope you enjoyed this episode of the Time to Man Up podcast.